Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Hey, we're in this series that we're calling uh, Romans 8 Reflections. And we're working our way backwards through Romans chapter 8. So we began uh, kind of in the crescendo of the chapter. Uh, in verses 28 through 30, where we learn that God works in the midst of all things with us for the good of the world. Uh, what an important way of kind of reframing that famous verse in Romans 8. And then as we've kind of gone over the past couple weeks, we've re- we were reminded that glory, when it's applied to humanity, is actually talking about an elevation in status or authority. And we learned that creation itself is waiting for the children of God to be glorified, which is to say that creation is waiting for the children of God to take their rightful place as co-rulers over creation. And we talked about the Chronicles of Narnia and how that kind of shares this exact truth with us as we look at that story. And then we also discovered that Christian hope, and this is last week, we discovered that Christian hope is not the same as optimism or wishful thinking or even escape, but rather Christian hope is rooted in resurrection. And that when the world was headed toward death and the ways of death, God intervened in the person of Jesus Christ so that new creation and resurrection is beginning right here in our midst and and right here in us as well. That we become evidence of new creation through the work of God's Spirit in our life. And so that's kind of where we've been, but let's back up now to Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 9, and I want to read that to you, and this morning I'm reading from a translation that you may not be familiar with. It's called the New Testament for Everyone, Uh, and let's just be honest, full disclosure here, this is N.T. Wright's translation of the New Testament. So uh, here it is, uh, Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 9 from New Testament for Everyone. It says this, but you are not people of flesh. You are people of the Spirit. If indeed God's Spirit lives within you, note that anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of the Messiah doesn't belong to Him. But if the Messiah is in you, your body is indeed dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of covenant justice. So then if the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, the one who raised Jesus from the, raised the Messiah from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies too through his Spirit who lives within you. So then, my dear family, we are in debt, but not to human flesh to live our life in that way. For if you live in accordance with the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, then you will live. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now we're now kind of in the middle section of Romans chapter 8. And what's uh, the key marker of this middle section is that Paul begins to make comparisons. And first what he does is he contrasts the flesh and the spirit, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks. But he also compares sin and the spirit. And so take a look at verse 10. He says, the body is indeed dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of covenant justice. Now, one thing that's clear in Romans chapter 8 is if you're going to make any sense out of this chapter at all, you have to know the definition of terms. Like, what is Paul actually talking about when he says sin or flesh or spirit? Uh, we need to have that in our minds so, so that we can understand what Paul is saying. So what does he mean when he says the body is dead because of sin? 
we really need to understand what this word sin means as Paul is using it here. And I think that we're maybe all kind of generally familiar with this term, uh, particularly as it relates to sinful actions. That when we hear the word sin, we often think of sinful actions, uh, such as greed or lust or lying or pride. Uh, and these, these types of sins, this sinful action, certainly does have an effect on our physical bodies. Uh, but sin here is not so much talking about sinful actions as much as it is sin as a power that is in our lives. And so Paul, Paul knows and he understands that, yes, there are sins, but what he's talking about here in particular is the reality of the power of sin in our lives. That sin as a power is, is this kind of less tangible, this, this more intangible thing that draws us into sinful action, right? So you could take sin as an action and you could probably pretty easily identify it, right? This person did that, it was sinful, it was wrong, uh, it's very tangible, it's very concrete. But what Paul is saying is that sin actually has this more intangible side to it. It's sin as a, as a force or a power in our lives. It's the, it's the thing that kind of draws us into sinful actions. And this, he says, the reality of the power of sin has all kinds of consequences. And in fact, in the passage that we looked at last week, he points out that the effect of sin as a power has its consequences that reach all the way into creation itself. That creation itself has been left in bondage and longs for redemption. And in fact, he'll say, longs for the, the glorification of the children of God, the revelation or the revealing of the children of God. So he says that the sin as a power in our life and in the world has far-reaching consequences even into creation. But then he also says this, it has consequences even for our bodies, that our bodies become subject to death. So, he, he, like, so he's trying to give us the, the kind of gravity or the weight of sin. Early on in Romans, he said actually that the cost or the wage of sin is death. And so he's trying to get us to feel the weight of this word, sin. But he goes on to say then in verse 11 that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead lives within you, right? That this is good news. And he says the one who raised the Messiah will in fact give life to your mortal bodies also. And so this leaves us with quite a conundrum, right? Uh, he says, in other words, the question is like, what does it mean to have this body of death and yet live with this spirit of life? What does that tension, that push-pull look like? In fact, I would say that maybe this is a tension that all of us as Christians, at least at some point, if not all the time, we kind of feel this, right? That we, we're kind of stuck in this this body of death, this power of sin, and yet we, we recognize and we confess and we profess that we have the spirit of life who lives inside of us. And so there seems to be these two ways of being that are at war within us. Now, as you know, my family has really gotten into Star Wars uh, during quarantine. We've watched all the films, all the side stories. Uh, my daughters have watched all the animated series. I mean, they're just way into it. My youngest is like a Star Wars super fan, can answer any question you have about Star Wars. It's crazy, right? And, and so it's like, it's this, it's this recognition that here's this thing that is kind of old, right? 
Uh, it came out a long time ago, and in terms of movies, they tend to have a pretty short shelf life. And so you've got this, this original trilogy that came out decades ago, and yet for my youngest daughter, something still resonates. Generation after generation after generation, there's this resonance to the Star Wars narrative, and perhaps it is this, that we can all identify that inside of all of us is dark and light. In fact, about 500 years ago, so like way before Star Wars, <laughs> there's a reformer named Martin Luther, and he used a Latin phrase to describe this inner tension. The Latin phrase was simul justus et peccator, which means at once righteous and yet a sinner. You see, Martin Luther's contention, his, his argument was that every Christian is righteous and a sinner at the very same time. And so when we look at this text, we, we seem to say, we tend to kind of pick up on those overtones, right? But, but even what Martin Luther said doesn't quite capture it just exactly right and doesn't quite pack, pack, uh, capture Paul's language here because Paul is not using uh, things about sin and righteousness. What Paul is talking about is, is death and life, right? He's saying there's kind of one mode of being that leads to death. And there's another mode of being that leads to life. That the tension is between being stuck in this body of death and yet having the spirit of life. And so New Testament scholar John Barclay suggested this Latin phrase, simul mortus et vivens, which means at once dead and yet alive. And I think this does a better job of capturing the reality to which Paul is pointing, that our bodies bear the mark of sin and yet, and, have, and, and therefore have become subject to death. Recently, I've had some, some pretty severe back issues, and I had an MRI, and it showed two bulge discs in my lower back and some degeneration of the disc. And so I'm kind of talking about all of this with the doctor, and, and when I asked, like, hey, what could cause these issues? Because I want to make sure and avoid that in the future, right? What could cause all these things? You can imagine my surprise when the doctor looked at me and he said, discs, degenerate over time. The implication here is obvious. You're on the wrong side of 40, right? Even though I'm not yet 41, <laughs> the doctor's looking at me and he's like, look, discs degenerate over time, you know? And it's like, man, our bodies, they kind of like bear the marks of the old order of things, which is why things start to crick and crack and thin and sag, right, as we get older. But Paul says, see, I thought more of you would identify with that. I thought I'd get a little more like, like uh, hey, I know where you're at, you know, but uh, you all are just feeling young and, and like spry and just like full of vitality. That's great. Uh, but, but Paul says this. He says, he says, the spirit inside of us is a down payment of the new order of things. And so our bodies are subject to the old order of things, the old creation, but the spirit inside of us bears witness to the new creation that is yet to come. Paul makes this declaration that the spirit of the one who raised the Messiah will give life to your mortal bodies as well. <sighs> Which is to say... Christian hope is not fully captured in that one day our disembodied soul will be captured off into a far-off heaven. 
It is to say that just as the, the, the reach of sin reaches into creation itself and our bodies themselves, so the redemption of Christ will also reach into those spaces. The creation itself will be redeemed and our bodies will be redeemed. In fact, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul unpacks this and, and fleshes this out much further. And there he says, he says that our new bodies... Our resurrected bodies will be animated by the same life-giving spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That our new bodies will be incorruptible. And I can hear my old sore back say a loud amen. <laughs> and so we, are, we, are, we have this bodies of death. That is, we live in a body that has been subjected to death because of the power of sin, or sin as a power, and yet we are alive, which is to say that the same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of each and every one of us. Amen. And then what are we supposed to do with that? <laughs> right? It's kind of like this, okay, but what now? Right? What difference does this make in our lives today? And the good news is that Paul actually anticipates your question. Uh, he says in verse 12, so then. And anytime you see a so then in the scriptures, particularly in the letters of Paul, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to bring the message to bear on our lives and the lives of his first audience. Anytime that there's a so then, Paul is saying, here's this theological truth that may sound nice and fluffy and maybe even be encouraging and can, like, is worthy of a loud amen. But then what, what, how does this play out? What's the practical nature of this? For, for Paul, all theology is practical theology. So then, he says in verse 12, my dear family, we are in debt. But we are not in debt to the human flesh to live our life in that way. For if you live in accordance with the flesh, you will die but if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. His point is this. We now have a debt, which is to say an obligation. But we don't have a way, that we, but we don't have an obligation to the old order of things, the old way, the old creation. You see, it used to be that we did have this obligation towards sin and the things that lead to death. Because we were born into a world where the power of sin had a grip not only on each of us, but also the world as a whole. And therefore, we had no choice but to align with the old order of ways, the sinful ways that lead to death. We had no choice. Now, theologians have been trying for a long, long time to figure out what to name this and what to call it. And so years and years and years ago, hundreds of years ago, this guy named Augustine came up with a term called original sin to describe this phenomenon, this idea that we were born into this system of where the power of sin is at work, not only in our lives, but also in our collective lives together. The trouble with the term original sin is it started leading Christians to believe that we weren't the height of creation or blessed by God, that Christians from the get-go started with the message of I am bad rather than I am good, and all of a sudden we started beginning the Christian narrative in Genesis 3, not in Genesis 1. And so what John Wesley does is he says, I'd actually prefer, I resonate with the idea of original sin, I'm with you there, but John Wesley does a little turn of phrase, and he calls it instead, reigning sin. 
And not like rain that falls out of the sky, but rain as in R-E-I-G-N. Raining sin. And so what Paul is saying is that we used to be obligated to the reign of sin in our lives and in our world. But now, Paul is sharing, we now, because of the Spirit, have a new obligation to live according to the Spirit that is, in, that is within us. Amen? This is good news. Think of it this way. It used to be that in our lives, there, that our lives were oriented on a one-way highway. And the only choice was to go in the old way, in the order of the old creation. Uh, here's another example from Star Wars, because you just you bring examples from your own life, and I'm getting a steady diet of it. So here's another one. Perhaps it's no accident in the, new, in the sequel trilogy, episodes 7, 8, and 9, that the writers decided to call the Sith organization the First Order as maybe a, a kind of hint or a way of saying that the first order of things was bent toward evil, was bent toward death, was bent toward destruction, right? And, and so you have this first order of things, and it's a one-way highway. And all of us were kind of born into this one-way highway where we have an obligation to just go in the ways according to sin and death. Because we're born into this world where the power of sin is at work, not only in their collective lives, but in our lives individually. But now, right? Remember last week that Christian hope is the world was headed toward the ways of death and then God, right? That God steps in, God intervenes. This is a similar idea. We're born on this one-way highway, but now... Because of the spirit who lives inside of us, another lane has opened up in the other direction. <laughs> right? Another lane has opened up in the other direction. So we don't have to go in the direction of the old order or the old way, but we can now move in the direction of new creation. That our lives, because of the spirit who lives within us, can have a new trajectory. That's the good news. That's Paul's reality. That's what Paul is trying to share with us. But he also doesn't just let us off the hook. He says, now you have a choice to make. Are you going to live according to the flesh that is in you? The sin, the old order, the one-way highway. Or are you going to begin to live in accordance with the Spirit of God who brings life? You've got a choice. We have a role to play and a choice to make. In other words, I, can, I feel like that if Paul were to kind of flesh this out, in other words, if you were to uh, sit down pre-COVID with the Apostle Paul and have some coffee, uh, you might say, and he were to flesh this out, I think he might say, you know, there are some things in your life that need to be put to death. And maybe, maybe that's some old appetites, maybe that's some habits, maybe it's things in your life that you could identify through the help of the Spirit of God speaking to you and, and convicting you, things in your life that are destructive to you and to others. And I think Paul would say those things need to be put to death. That there are choices that you need to start making, there are some choices that you need to decide not, there's stuff you need to do and there's some stuff you need to stop doing, right? Perhaps we need to put to death pride that keeps us from growing and seeing new things. Or how about this? This is a big one. 
Perhaps we need to put to death a lack of humility. A lack of humility will rot our souls. When we, when we just live with this pride of this, this, this seeking after power all the time, this, this, this assumption that I have everything figured out, this assumption that the way in which I experience the world is the way in which everyone experiences the world. This is a prideful position. But rather, listening with humility to the voice of others who maybe have a different experience of the world than I do so that I begin to see new things and understand new things. Putting aside pride, beginning to live with humility. Feeding the things that are, need to be fed according to the spirit that is within me. Putting to death the things that need to be put to death according to the sin and flesh that is within me. And Paul's promise is this, that when you live according to the Spirit, it will lead to life. And that when we live according to the ways of sin, it will lead to death. For the cost and the wage of sin is death. If I can leave you with this, Encouragement that the life of the Spirit is fed, is encouraged, is brought about in our lives through certain practices and habits that we can adopt. Things like prayer, worship, connection with others, right? That if we experience, if the presence of God in our lives is often mediated to us through the presence of others, And yet, because of quarantine and COVID and concerns of spread, we begin to isolate ourselves because we're just so sick of Zoom. Because aren't we all, right? And so whether it's beginning to gather as safely as you can or whether it's being committed to that Zoom call to connect with others, isolation will do damage to our hearts and to our souls. And so it's fed through prayer, worship, connection with others, humility, generosity. Focusing on these practices, on these habits, will help put to death the old order of things. I I imagine it kind of like this, that that there's this highway of my life, two lanes have been opened up, praise be to God, the new creation lane is open, and then every time I participate in these habits and these practices of the old, that kind of put to death the old order, of thi- old order of things, it's like it's putting a roadblock on the other side of the highway, right? It's just saying, I'm not gonna go that direction anymore. And so the more that I begin to grow in Christ, the more the Spirit of God is at work within me, the more roadblocks are put up. And it doesn't mean that every now and then I jump lanes, right? And I'm like, oh, what am I doing over here? And I go back over, right? There's kind of this, this there is this push-pull tension, but Paul's good news is that you don't have to live here anymore that the spirit of the one who raised Jesus Christ from the dead is the same exact spirit who lives in you, and you can live according to that spirit. Amen. That's the good news. So let's say a word of prayer and thank God for his work in our lives and allow the spirit of God to work in our lives in such a way that we can begin to live more and more according to the spirit. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word from Romans chapter 8 that encourages us and lifts us up. We pray, God, that in these moments... Uh, that you would allow us to, to, to see the ways in which we might be living according to the ways of sin that lead to death. 
that you would open up to us, God, new awareness and, and new ways in which we might align our lives with this new side of the highway that has been opened called new creation, life in the Spirit of God. Lord, it often means that there are difficult choices to make, difficult decisions to make, maybe habits to break. And Lord, we confess maybe our weakness to do these things on our own, but we pray, God, that through your strength, the, the strength that raised Jesus from the dead, that we would begin to align our lives more and more with your spirit. That we would operate with humility, with generosity, with forgiveness, with mercy, toward love of neighbor and love of others. For God, these are the ways of the Spirit. And so help us, Lord, today to begin making choices that would align our lives more and more with you. For God, we desire to enter into life and the abundant life that you have promised and that you have called us to. So be with us in these moments, especially be with us as we gather around the Lord's table today that we might experience your presence in our midst. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.